Hello, this is Jason McKenna from Radio Verulam 92.6 FM, the radio station from St Albans, but we cater to Hertfordshire as a whole because we want to make the lives of the people of the area better. We're all about the community here and the best way to improve the community is by talking to those that can make a difference, that make things matter. So today we're speaking to MP Bim Afalami who represents the Hertfordshire area of Harpenden, Redbourne, Sandridge, Jersey Farm and Wheat Hampstead. So starting off Bim, I want to ask you how are you and how have your family been coping during this COVID-19 crisis? Well thanks very much and it's a pleasure to be here. Um, well frankly we're very lucky, you know we've got, we've got, we live just outside uh, a village, you know we've got lots of space and, and so I always think of people who don't have you know lots of space at times like this. And secondly, uh, in relation to, to, to being in Parliament, Parliament is, you know, is back to not quite normal, but close to it. Um, so I've been in London, you know, all week and I'm speaking to you from Westminster today. Uh, my wife runs a family business. She's been working from home uh, as well. And we've had sort of childcare help as well. So but rather the latter part of lockdown, not, not the early bit. Um, so we have been... Uh, spared of a, a lot of the difficulties that a lot of people have had but at the same time you know it is difficult it's particularly for the first month six weeks I think everybody found it incredibly difficult myself included and you know I hope we'll never have to repeat that ever again well that's really good to hear and you know like you said there in comparison to a lot of uh, people I, I myself have been lucky as well but during lockdown as well, you've been busily working on trying to prepare the country for a return to normality. And you've published Unlock Britain. Uh, this is a recovery and renewal plan for post-lockdown Britain, uh, where you've brought together lots of experts from many fields and you put 10 ideas together. So talk us through some of these ideas and how they would help your constituents directly. Good question. So this work was, it's really economic recovery plan. It tries to deal with some of the problems we've got. Some of them are around um, getting infrastructure delivered more easily and more effectively, um, recapitalizing, that's recapitalizing small and medium-sized companies. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of small companies out there that have taken on debt provided by the government very cheaply to get through this crisis. Now, that debt burden is going to make it very hard for a lot of those businesses to thrive and, and, and be successful in the future. We need to reduce that debt burden. And so thinking of ways of how we do that, I think is going to be really key as we come out of this crisis. Um, looking at other things in terms of um, encouraging people not just to study STEM subjects, we know are economically really important, but also stay in STEM industries and STEM careers once they have finished studying. And my particular idea in that regard is to um, forgive student debt once somebody who studied a STEM subject in an area that we're lacking um, from a, you know, and, it, and is a top graduate after five years of working in the STEM industry, they get their student loan forgiveness. That sort of thing can help you know, can help spur that industry on and help those people get access to some of the best jobs that are not just around now, but in the future. And then lots of other, lots of other ideas as well. 
kind of carrying on from that point there about student loans, student debts, in 2018, you kind of reaffirmed your view that we mustn't separate policies for the young people of Britain. However, in the current crisis, and with your Unlock Britain there, you've kind of pointed to one key one there, but do you think there'll be lots of changes needed to target the youth of Britain today? There obviously um, are, even though I have to be honest, it's always scary when you're quoting things that I've said, because, you know, in politics, you end up saying a lot of things. I do actually remember saying that. Uh, but look, the, the important thing right now, and the Chancellor who I uh, spoke with yesterday, uh, I also spoke in the chamber yesterday, and the Chancellor gave his sort of summer statement, economic statement, a huge focus on what the Chancellor is doing is young people. It is, it's the Kickstarter program, getting young people into work. You know, the, a huge part of every waking moment in the Treasury is spent right now thinking of how we how we deal with the problem with the young people. So I think that that's, uh, we've got to have a sort of differential approach because young people's challenges are slightly different from others. Uh, that's not to rule out everybody else. It's simply to say that I think that young people face a unique set of problems. They've still got the housing difficulties that we know about in this area. They've got the issues around jobs and whether there are going to be any jobs as they leave school, college or university. And then they've got the health problem, not so much the COVID health problem, because frankly, young people are not particularly um, in danger from COVID, but that mental health problem. A lot of young people uh, during this crisis have been stopped, um, not just with their livelihoods, but their normal way of life. I think if I was, you know, I'm 34, but if I were 10 years younger and what I, you know, how I was living my life then, I'd have found this, this crisis incredibly difficult to deal with, much harder than I did because, you know, I'm, you know you're, you, when you're a bit older, you end up, you know, your, your pace of life changes somewhat, even at 34. Uh, so I think young people need a real focus. And to be very blunt, uh, though that's always a dangerous thing, it is very, very important. The Conservative Party in particular thinks about young people because it's the area where we have the least support generally. So for us to, to not focus on them, I think, wouldn't just be economically bad, wouldn't just lead to bad social outcomes. It would be politically bad too. And finally, kind of on that point there that you raised a little bit early, that we've had a lot of discussions in Parliament, especially yesterday with the Chancellor's statement. But you actually got a lot of praise from the Chancellor yesterday as well with your uh, point plan. Uh, and also an independent economist gave it an 8 out of 10, which I'm sure you're quite pleased with it. Um, which points do you think the Chancellor was exactly pointing to in his statement there? Yeah, so the Chancellor, as you say, did um, did say from the floor of the House that he was considering my proposals. In particular, I think the things he's looking at are um, the ways of reducing that debt burden for small, medium-sized family businesses, because uh, that is absolutely key. And I know, having spoken to him, that this is something he is, he is thinking about and considering. There are obviously lots of different ways of doing that, um, but he's definitely looking at mine. And then also, um, I know he's thinking about how we make sure we deliver infrastructure more effectively, because, you know, I think this is really important for people to appreciate. Governments allocate money for things, but that's only something on a piece of paper. For that money to be spent well and for that money not to be wasted and for that money to, to get to where it needs to go, other things need to be in place. We need to have a planning system that actually works. We need to have the building materials, we need to have people with the right skills. All of those things need to be in place. Um, 
for you for this money that you've allocated to actually mean anything. And so I know that the Chancellor is is focused on that. Well, it's interesting to see that one of our local MPs might be making a difference to the country as a whole. But let's move it back to the local community. And we at Radio Verland want to make sure that the people have their question service. So I'm going to pass it over to our local community questions. And Bim, we've had quite a few sent in. I'll do my best. So Epi Bespoke has kind of continued the uh, conversation there. When lockdown is concluded, what measures will the government take to support small businesses? So I guess it's building upon your Unlock Britain ideas. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd add to what I've said, because I think the absolute number one thing we have to do is reduce the debt for small businesses. I think if we could do that, that would mean that small businesses will have the capital that they can then grow. I think that is the most important thing we can do as we get out of this. But I would just add that, of course, fundamentally, before any of that matters, is we need to make sure we keep the virus under control. Because if it goes out of control, then no economic measure is going to save the economy because people will just not go out. So so this is all predicated on the virus being under control. And if we can do that, combining it with reducing the debt burden, I think that can help small businesses a lot. In addition to, you know, the Chancellor announced cutting VAT hospitality from 20% to 5%. That's a big, big cut. And that's going to make a real difference. Personally, I'd love to see some of that sort of difference be done permanently for small businesses and particularly affected sectors. Because if we could do that, then I think we would just keep people shopping, keep people spending money, keep order books full. And that is fundamentally what, what determines the success or failure of small businesses. Now, moving on to a current social trend, uh, we're, we're kind of re-evaluating statues and things like that. And in 2015, Rianne has pointed out here that you stated that Churchill was your biggest hero. But with new discussions around him, racism in the UK in general, have you shifted your opinion towards Mr. Winston Churchill? Good. And something else I said in the past. Now, look, I completely stand by what I said. Uh, and I don't think that my view has changed because like, I studied history at university and uh, spent a lot of time reading uh, and writing history. And before I said that, I was fully appraised with all of all of the foibles. Um, having said all of that, this whole issue on statues uh, and how we memorialize history, statues is one way of doing that, paintings is another. We just need to be very, very careful. We do not make the mistake of judging people in their own time by our modern viewpoints. So as recently as I think only a few years ago, this would have seemed extraordinary that people would have been questioning Winston Churchill, who effectively was the key man who stood between the Western world and fascism and this country and fascism. As recently as a few years ago, it would have been extraordinary to have done that. Uh, and look, I understand people's view, and of course, Churchill made all sorts of complete, uh, I'll make, uh, you know, mistakes, I think let's put it that way, in his career, um, ranging from when he was a liberal cabinet minister, ranging to when he was a conservative cabinet minister, and, and indeed as prime minister, not everything he did was right, of course not. But the big thing he was remembered for, the big thing that he is memorialized for, he got right. And the fact that he was an imperialist, well, frankly, you wouldn't have found any politician in this country who wasn't an very few who weren't an imperialist for the best part of 200 years. 
I mean, does it mean that you don't memorialize anybody like that? Or if people think about slavery, and I know this isn't Churchill, but the broader issue, think about slavery, okay. We recognize that Edward Colston in Bristol, to take an example, made his money from slavery. I see that. And frankly, I can see why people don't want the statue up. But let's not go as far as to say anybody who's had anything connected with slavery, you can't memorialize them for good work that they've done. Or if people have, in certain areas of their life, expressed views that we don't believe as a, a, a savory. Millicent Fawcett, huge campaigner for feminism, women's rights. Her views on non-white people were not very nice. And only as recently as, very recently, I think it was three, four, two, three years ago, she was given a statue um, on Parliament Square because of all the um, discussion around women's suffrage, 100 years since women got the vote. And I don't remember anybody then saying, oh, well, because she expressed all these views in other ways, we don't want to memorialize her for the thing that she did that was very good. So I just think when it comes to this issue, by all means, discuss it. And by all means, not everybody has to agree with me that, that Churchill's of course, that's the point of history and politics and debate. You can talk about these things. But let's not make the mistake of saying that because we do not like, in our modern day, we decide, we, we've decided that certain things we don't like, we cannot project back on 100, 200 years ago and, and judge them by those standards. Because dare I say it, there are things that we do today that I think in 100 years, many people may think is, is uh, many people may think are, um, are unconscionable. You know, so let's, uh, we don't know what future generations are going to say. Now, something else that is very much in the discussion at the present, and quite a few local constituents have emailed in to me asking, with close family members working on the front line of public services, could Bim explain why he voted against pay rises for NHS workers and more recently, why he voted against weekly COVID-19 tests for NHS and care staff. Uh, yeah, I'm very happy to do that. In Parliament, there are really two types of vote. There are votes on legislation. Legislation, as everybody knows, is something that is the law that compels either an individual, an organisation or a government department to do something or not do something. Then you have motions. Emotions are effectively meaningless. They do not compel anybody to do anything. And what typically happens in Parliament, and by the way, what I'm about to say, if the Conservative Party was in opposition, we'd be doing the same thing. So I do not blame the Labour Party for this at all. But the Labour Party in opposition, what they do is they put down motions. And because it's an opposition motion, the government, as part of being a government with a majority, you always defeat opposition motions. Again, they are not... They don't have any meaning. They don't force anybody to do anything. But it is very, very important politically to make sure as a government you maintain your majority. And I was first elected in the Theresa May hung parliament. And I trust me, I know the difficulties of not managing a majority. So it's very important to maintain that. So what this was, was the opposition putting down motions purely designed to get um, people like the ones who emailed you in to think negatively about conservative MPs uh, by voting them down. It, it is, was an entirely meaningless motion. And actually, if you look at the substance of the issue, we have done everything we can to protect NHS workers and anybody else on the front line. By all means, we may, we, people may judge we've made mistakes. People, of course, people question the, uh, certain things the government's done, the wrong time or the right time. And those debates are what a democratic society is about. And of course, we haven't got everything right. 
But that is not about this motion. This motion is really a piece of opposition politics that you know I don't blame them for, as I said at the beginning, because it's what oppositions do. Because with the majority of eighty, they feel that you know they, it's very very difficult for them to change the actual law. And so let's move it on then to maybe some positives here. Moving out of lockdown, Michael has asked, what are some things that you've really missed during lockdown that you're hoping to do again once things normalise? I was going to say going to the pub, and I, I did that and uh, on the weekend, and that made me feel very happy. Uh, I would probably say that uh, playing cricket, um, I'm hearing club cricket is back soon, but I, you know, I'm a big cricketer and I played a lot at school. And um, and I always try and play a game or two with the village team, you know, in the summers. And I'm not sure if I'll be able to do that this year, but I think being able to play some cricket this summer at some point in August, I will, would be a, is something that I had missed and I feared may not happen at all. So for me, it's going to the pub and playing cricket. <laughs> Those are two very core British things, aren't they there? Now, Richard, he's a keen listener of the Verulam Sports Podcast on Fridays, which I'm also a part of. And he knows that you were a university footballer. So he's got two questions. Which uh, are you happy to see the Premier League back? And which team are you supporting, if any at all? So I'm an Arsenal fan. Um, I'm very happy to see it back. Uh, I also want to see lots of other top sports back. You know, I think that the, the women's football needs to be back. I think um, all sorts of sport needs to be back. It's a shame, for example, that we could play, um, we played some sport closed doors and yet Wimbledon didn't, couldn't, couldn't operate you know, closed doors. And look, they're very good reasons for all these things. But uh, I, and without being sort of political about it, the importance of sport is not really the fact you're watching it on TV. The importance of sport is it's a real bringing together of people who otherwise don't engage. And so it is not quite the same not having fans, but it's definitely better than not having any sport at all. And what I would hope is that as soon as possible, and to be honest, this may be several months, if I'm very frank, uh, we can get back to, to crowds because I think that that is such an integral part of top level sport as well. And we shouldn't settle for this second-class version of first-class sport, I do think we need to push for crowds as well. And that's very important also for the finances of, of teams, not so much at the very top level, but lower down, not having any crowds, not being able to sell tickets is a real problem for, for all professional games, in particular football, I know well, but also cricket clubs, etc. So for me, it's about, yes, I'm very happy it's back, but let's get some fans back when it's safe to do so as well. Well, that answer pleased me quite a bit because I'm a fellow Arsenal fan as well. And just to great end... man, I always knew you were a great man. I was wondering, <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, yeah, definitely an Arsenal fan. Well, you know, all the best people are. And just one exactly. final question: You did say that you were very good at keepy uppies. Do you still back yourself that you can do a hundred? Well, actually, recently the BBC did a. Um, they were doing a sort of was a video they put on BBC News that was sort of you know, MPs, sort of people, what are you doing in lockdown? And they asked me to do it and they ran this montage together and I did keep yuppies for that. And as I was doing it, I did about 60. I didn't get to 100. I don't think I've done 100, frankly, for quite a long time. But I, I, I reckon if I had, you know, not the pressures of the world on my shoulders as a member of parliament for Harper and Sandra to Reetamstead, then, um, then maybe I would be able to have the mind space get to 100 once again. <laughs> well, 
Well, hopefully post-lockdown, you can post a picture or a video of you doing those 100 keepy-uppies. But today, I just have to thank you for your time, Bim. Thank you for answering the issues of the area. And if you missed out this month, I'm sure Bim will be back again in August to answer your questions again. So thank you very much, Bim. Thank you. Thanks for your time.